find Jesus. He's the one who always cares and understands. Standing somewhere in the shadows, you will find Him. Crosby that would write that and when they would tell her about her deficiencies in her body, her eyesight, her hearing, her different things and how will you know them and she got inspired and she said I'll know them by the nail prints in his hands. Amen. One day we're going to see him. It's going to be wonderful, isn't it? Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I'm going to let you have your seats just for a few moments. We've got a number of preliminaries this morning, but uh, we want to certainly uh, make much of the time that we're going to be here, and so I, a few different things that we want to just make mention of. I believe um, it was already made mention of that um, Brother Len Hildebrandt's not well, so we're going to remember him in prayer. Um, also, uh, I just want to let you know that Brother Harold, uh, you, many of you may not know this, but uh, I think it was back in March, he was scheduled to go in for a cataract operation. And then this uh, certain plague, you may have heard about it, it's been going around the world, kind of stopped everything, right? <laughs> anyway, he, he had it canceled, so now this sur the surgery has, and he's been suffering with it, so it's been difficult for him. And uh, now the surgery's been rescheduled for the end of July. And so as a result of that, he's just going to be preparing. You've you got to go into the surgery, making sure you're well. So 
uh, with no symptoms or, or such. So he's just going to be at home for a couple weeks, but he's streaming every service. And he just wanted to greet all of you and just remember him. And uh, he'll be going in for that at the end of, at the, end of the month. So we just want to remember him. This uh, last week on Wednesday, we made known of the different needs that are in the body. There's many needs that are in the body. And um, it just seems that the devil is, he is going about as a roaring lion. So we, we uh, recognize that's happening, and we've heard of what's, what's happened with Brother Ron Spencer and, and Brother Pruitt and his wife. And this last week, we just, the other day, we had a request from Brother Donnie Reagan, um, his daughter Erica, um, 40 years old. She's got four children, and uh, they found a tumor on her liver. And it's quite serious, and it really affected... You know, if Satan can attack the minister, he'll attack the family, the wife, the children. He'll do anything to upset the program of God. So we're, we're going to bind together, but there's, there's one thing that's happening with all of these needs that I'm seeing, is it's bringing us all closer Amen. together. I believe there's a uniting that's going on Amen. with the people of God. So... We're going to remember that in prayer as well, so we want to just uh, bring those needs to your attention. Um, also, um, I wanted to just make mention, those of you that are streaming, and hopefully you all are streaming this morning, you may have gone on to the website this morning and noticed a few differences. Sister Ruth, would you just put that up for a moment? So we've changed our website up a little bit. This has been... A work in the making for quite a while. Um, there's been a few brothers that have been involved in this, and I'll just give you a quick scenario, but you're going to go up and see that. But if you just scroll down on that home page, and so it's much the same format, but just scroll down a little further, and then we have a few links as we go down on what our assembly is, what we believe, mission works, sermons, and music. Just go down a little further, and then go back up to the top for a moment, if you would. And then at the very top, we have the home page, and then we have service bookings, if you'd click into that. And under the service bookings, this is where you'll do the same thing that you always do, is you'll be able to book for the services. And then if we just go back to the top again, and uh, the sermons and music, this is where a lot of you will tie in to do the streaming. There's a streaming section that's there that you'll click into, and it'll take you right to where we're at. Then there's an archive section, which we've just started, and it'll take a little time to get the archives to the place that they need to be. You always have the sermon podcast that you can go to, and then there's the music podcast section. So if you'll go back up to the top, under our assembly, we have a little bit of the history of our church, uh, uh, and it, it indicates what we've done and where we've come. It actually indicates some of the ministers and the officers that are, are, are in the church, and that's all on there as well. And so you can make yourself familiar with this. This is just very quick. But if you go back to the top page of the page, you'll see that under what we believe, there's um, indication of the message. You know, the world has changed a lot in the last number of years. People that would come to a church will probably check and see who you are online before they ever come to the church sometimes. And I'm not saying they wouldn't, but so we, we just... Wanted to make that more current and up-to-date, so there's a number of things that you can go through. Um, and then last of all, there's just at the back of the top of the page, if you would, there's under more, that we have four sections, which is missions, 
where it tells what we're doing for current missions work that'll be updated. There's also where you can do your donations, where you can order books, and then there's also links. But that's just very quick. Um, hopefully, all of you that have seen that this morning have made yourself, that are not here, uh, have made yourself aware of that. And there'll be some things that'll be added and done to it. But uh, I just needed to say, first of all, regarding this, uh, the two brothers that were very instrumental in this, that's Brother Mark Suratin and Brother John Perizok, they're both not here. And I, I just can't uh, begin to thank them enough for their diligence, their long hours, their dedication to putting that together. There are many different devices and tablets and computers and, and things, and to make that all work on every which thing is a lot of work. And I, the brothers aren't here, but I'd like to give them a hand clap. Amen. And uh, as well, there was some others that were instrumental in this on the video and sound portion that Brother uh, Jeff Dole has been really a help. And I, I not to, we have to clap for everybody, but I, just as much a round of applause for Brother Jeff. And then Brother Andrew was involved. And then we had some sisters who did some proofreading and some assistance. And Sister Julia, Sister Esther, Sister Savannah, we want to thank you all. For, for doing it. And it's nice to be part of a team where there's many talents in the body and they all come together and they make something work really nice. So we thank you. Also for the graphic, Sister Rebecca uh, Badeau, who uh, was a real help in all of that. And we want to just acknowledge all of them. And, and uh, I believe we're trying to make it better. And especially in the light of where we're living, we don't know how long these conditions will do. But the connection uh, that we are able to have today is not available to everybody in the world. There's brothers in Africa and different places that can't do what's there. So we're thankful to the Lord for that. Um, I want to just wel welcome all the visitors. Uh, I just happened to look over there, and beside Brother Dan Koenig, there's a sister there. And we're very fortunate to have her with us today. And so we want to <laughs> say welcome, and, and that's wonderful. And then you'll also notice that um, there's a younger version of Sam Lentz just down the pew from him. That's Brother Doug Lentz. And so Doug Lentz is here from Ottawa, and we're happy to have him here. And then his son is there. So there's three generations. There's a real good example of a cohort family that's there. <laughs> and so uh, Brother Doug's going to be speaking for us tonight. And we enjoyed Brother Doug when he was here last time, and we're looking forward to tonight. So, Brother Doug, we, we're, there's no expectations or pressure on you, but, you know, we're, we're, we're in expectation. So, God bless you and anoint you for the service tonight. So, also, next weekend, uh, we're having special meetings, and that will be Saturday at 6 p.m., Sunday at 10 a.m., 6 p.m., and it'll be done different this year than all of our regular meetings because we're, we're going to be doing a stream together with the church in Virginia, Full Gospel Lighthouse Tabernacle. That's where Brother Ron Spencer and Brother Andrew Spencer are. And I would just like to say we've really felt the hand of God in doing what we're doing. Amen. And I just say be praying, be expecting. Yeah. The omnipotent God that knows Amen. no time or distance or space will be here. And I just say we need to prepare our hearts just the same. So I, I just say, let's, let's be praying and let's be in expectation. And as a result of that, I just also want to say there is uh, 
a number of spaces that we have available in the church. We're going to try to increase that a little bit. And because it is a streaming service, we're going to have some seating available in the lower level that's in the, um, let's call it the basement, and, and, and there's some pews that are set up there. It's nice to come together with believers. Amen. It's nice to come, whether you're in your homes. And if you want to come, there's going to be some extra spots that are available. They're actually designated as such. And be prepared that if you come, you could be there, but also be prepared if there's room and we can make it work, you'd be called to a higher place. Not that that's a bad place down there, okay? So, <laughs> so anyway, just, just wanted to say that we're trying to do all we can, and we need to do all we can. And let's not rely on the government to open the door. Yeah. Let's say we're sons and daughters of God. Amen. We're going to pray. We're going to come believing. We're going to come Amen. expecting yes. God to do the exceeding abundantly Amen. beyond that we're able to ask. So we're going to do that. As a result of that, And I, I would encourage you all, wherever you can, to gather in your... The more people can gather as a cohort family, and cohorts are as a good example of, of Brother Sam and his son and his grandson all together in a row. That's a, a good example of a cohort family. Also, families that are not related, but, but let's just say hang out together or are together continually. The Alberta government has guidelines on cohort families, but if you're together with a group regularly, you can actually sit together. And then that helps. So it even goes to young people. If you're with young people that you're regularly together with and you're safe and you're protected, you can sit together. And the more we can do that, the better it is. Now, I, I made the case that we're actually one big family, so we should just all sit together. But that's not the way the government sees it, okay? So we're going to have to follow as much as we can what's there. Now, I'm, I'm also going to ask that if we do this, just to make room, and there's probably, you know, we're hoping to have an extra 20, 30 spaces available if we can, um, but we're also going to ask our musicians where it's possible, and I know we're videoing, video stream, but some will be sitting up here, some ministers that are sometimes shy about sitting up here will be asked to sit up here, and, and, and others, you know, just to make room for everyone. And then there's one last thing is that everybody would like to come to church, you know, and, and be a part of the services. Sunday seems to be a service, Sunday morning in particular, people want to come to. Uh, I, I would say if you come every Sunday morning regularly, sometimes give that up for somebody else to come. Allow somebody, take a Sunday night or take a Wednesday and allow somebody else who may not be able to come on a, on a Sunday morning. So let's, let's try and be real brothers and sisters about this. Let's think of one another, help one another as much as possible. Okay, there's all the, the announcements. Announcements don't carry anointing with them. So I, I don't always like doing that. But we're going to just change the order a little bit today. We've got um, one other preliminary that we're going to do that we've been looking forward to. We're going to have a baby dedication this morning. So we're, we're going to look forward to that. So I, 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 we're, we're going to sing a song in a moment, but I just wanted to say it was back in February that Brother Mike and Sister Cherish Wackelchuk had asked me about doing a baby dedication, and we had targeted a couple of dates in March, and again, we had a little disruption here for the last five and a half months. So they've been patiently waiting 
for this day. <laughs> and and uh, so we're, they're, we're, they're going to dedicate their baby this morning, and I'm just going to get them to get ready. But I, I want to read the scripture, and we're going to do this a little differently this morning. So as they come, you know, Brother Jarrett's here. I'm going to ask Brother Andrew Dodd if you'd come to this side here. And, uh, but I want to read the scripture from Mark chapter 10, and this is just in regards to the, the whole thought of the baby dedication. So Jesus says these, well, the scripture says these words, and they brought young children to him that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. And then it, it carries on and it says, but when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased. Now, not a little displeased, much displeased. So he says, and he said unto them, suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms and he put his hands upon them, and he blessed them. So Jesus has given us an example. So as they make their way forward, let's, let's sing what we normally would sing, and that's bring them in, bring the little ones to Jesus if we can. Bring them in, bring. This is a wonderful family represented here. And uh, Brother Mike, his parents are here. He's got his siblings here. Um, the Wackelchucks have been a part of this for a long time. Sister Cherish has her parents here, her, her grandparents here. And uh, so there's a representation that has come down to this moment. And it was a few years back that the Lord brought Brother Mike and Sister Cherish together in such a wonderful way, and they make such a wonderful couple. <laughs> and uh, as much as they're a wonderful couple, they now make a wonderful family. And uh, this little one has changed their lives forever. They could not go back to being a couple again because she's a part of them. And I, I thought of what it's taken to bring us to this point. And, and I, I just was looking at a scripture, and I'm going to read this scripture in addition to what we read. But this is from 1 Samuel uh, chapter 1, and I'll just pick this up from verse 20. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come, about after Hannah had conceived, she bare a son and called his name Samuel and said, Because I asked him of the Lord. When... Brother Mike 
and Sister Cherish dedicated their lives together. It involved all of their future being committed to the Lord. That included their children. Now, and I just picked this up from a service back. Many children are born into the world. Not all children are begotten, are planned, are, are, are thought of in terms of their future, maybe like this child was. And so this is what Hannah had asked here, saying, I asked him of the Lord. We as parents, we bring our children for one purpose, that we can bring them to the Lord. Amen. So if we drop down to, I won't read all of this, but she, she actually holds that child, and God did a wonderful thing in giving a prophet to Israel. But I'm just taking this part when she finally does bring the child to Eli in verse 25. And then in verse 26, it says this, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here, praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed. And the Lord has given me of my petition, which I asked of him. Now, Hannah, she would, in the natural, give her son to the Lord. She says, therefore also, I have lent him to the Lord. And as long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped God there. Now, for a mother to do that, that's, that's not a natural thing. But you read all of chapter 2. Hannah rejoiced that she was able to do such a thing. This couple is giving this child not to a church, not to the hold for themselves, but they're giving this child to the Lord today. They've, this is what they've prayed for. They waited. They've waited, you know, an extra five, six months just to do this dedication. But I'll tell you what, it's going to be given to the Lord. Amen. I thought of her name, which is Eliana Leah Iris Wakalchuk. Now, that's a handle. And uh, Eliana in Hebrew would mean God has answered. And so El means God, Anna means answered, and Yud means in a first person. But God has answered, and, and she has in front of her sister Cherish holding her, her daughter, Leah was a Jacob's first wife. Iris is a flower. It's actually a flower associated with the resurrection. It's a purple. It can be a white flower. But I believe as believers, we're interested in our children. And I believe God is interested in parents who are interested in their children. And even when he came to Abraham, the promise that God made to Abraham, shall I hide anything from Abraham? For I know him, and he will raise his children. Now, God saw something in him that was going to be a continuation. This couple is giving this child unto God. Uh, you know, it doesn't take long. A few turns of the sun, and this, we've raised children, and all of a sudden, they're in school. All of a sudden, they're this, they're that. We don't see how time can go on. But if time would go on, and I, I just... Pardon me if I'm taking a few moments with this, but there are not many, and this is a young sister here that I'm going to call. There's, in, in the world today, Brother Branham would talk about 
There's many females that are raised up, but he talked about the qualities and the attributes. He said, it's hard to see women blush anymore. It's hard to see these things anymore. But you know, I believe that Brother Mike and Sister Cherish, they're going to raise this child in a godly way. And we're going to ask God to give them wisdom. We're going to ask for God to anoint the parents. And I believe he already has. He's prepared them. That, that, that what God has instilled for what he wanted to see will be made manifest. So this morning, we're going we're gonna to do this a little differently. Brother Andrew is actually part of their cohort family. Brother Andrew is a minister here. So to fulfill the scripture... Jesus took them in his arms. So Brother Andrew's going to take young Eliana in his arms, and he's going to hold her, and I'm going to offer prayer, and we're going to ask God's blessing. How many will agree this Amen. morning? Brother Andrew, if you would go ahead. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Shall we bow our heads and agree together this morning? Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is this morning. We know, Lord, if you were here walking in this flesh, you would be pleased with what we're doing here today. You would be pleased with this couple bringing this young child unto you. And Lord, as As they've taken and given this child, their Mike and sister Cherish, as they've taken and given it to Brother Andrew, who is, we're just representatives of you, Lord. Yes. It's not into the hands of man that we're giving yes. Eliana this morning, but we're giving her into your hands. Amen. And we're asking, oh Lord, even now as we dedicate her unto you, as we give her unto you for her safekeeping, yes for her health, for her life, for everything that this life would yet hold. Lord, as dark as the world may see, may seem to be, Lord, you are more than enough. Amen. And Lord, I'm asking even now that you will just keep your hand upon her, Amen. keep her in good health, yes. keep her from sickness, O oh Lord, keep her from evil influences, Amen. keep her, O oh Lord, in the love of God. Lord, may you also, as, you, as you're about her, may you also be about the mother and the father. Yes. Lord, would you anoint them? Would you give them godly wisdom? Would you give them the mind of God for raising her, O Lord? She's a part, O Lord, of your eternal kingdom. Yes. And we're asking even today, O Lord, that you will take her, Lord, and we just pray now and commit them into your hands. May your blessing be upon them. Lord, we want to thank you. And we'd ask, Lord, if time would go on, Lord, would you raise up good influences, good friends, and yeah. godly friends that are around yeah. them. And Lord, not only that, but at the time she would come of age. We remember how you dealt with Sister Cherish at a young age. Lord, you began to capture her, O oh Lord. Amen. Father, may it so be with Eliana, yes. Lord, that she would be caught by the Spirit of God. Amen. Lord, we know you have no grandchildren, but we pray that you would take her, O oh Lord, even now. Yes. Bring her, O oh Lord, to the place she should be. And if time would go on, may her life be to the glory of God, we pray. Yes. We commit them now to you, both parents and child. 
And we ask these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. God good? Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing You Deserve the Glory. You deserve the glory. sing this morning with me. Every service is important, and I believe that God is here. No matter how you feel, no matter how I feel, but I believe God is here, and He's desiring to have His way, if we can yield to Him. Amen. I want us to sing Only Believe this morning. We're going to open the Scriptures, but let's just allow the Holy Spirit now just to come in. Oh, only be 
been such an anthem to the believer in this last age. Lord, we don't just view it in a historical terms, but this morning, Lord, we would desire. Lord, we believe, Lord, and we ask, help our unbelief. Lord, we're here this morning. We recognize that the world is descending into a great abyss, but Lord, the believers are also ascending. They're ascending up on high. And we're asking, Father, that you would begin to just take this service. You've already been here in the worship, the dedication. But now we're asking, take this part. Lord, we're asking your anointing. Without you, we can do nothing. Lord, we're dependent upon you. And now we invite you just to take the stage, take the speaker and the hearer. We commit our lives to you. Bless the word as we now open it. We invite you to take it in Jesus' name. Thank you all. I know we've been longer today, but for the next hour or so, let's just look at the Word, and, and then we're going to look forward to the service tonight, and, uh, but let's just take this morning, if you'll turn with me to Exodus chapter 4, Exodus chapter 4. I need to say this before I start the service, is that I had a bit of a rough night, it just seemed like something didn't agree last night, but uh, nonetheless, no matter how I feel, that's beside the point. And uh, this last week, I think on Monday, I had, I had settled into where I was going for Sunday, which was really a continuation of where we've been the last few weeks. And then it just seemed in the last couple of days that just the Lord, as you're open and you're hearing Him. And so I'm, I'm going to go out into something, and I'll, I'll pick up a part of where I was at, but I'm, I'm going to take this in a way. So this will be a little different service, uh, but I, I need you to be with me. And I, I, I want to just say... We're looking towards convention services. I'm not ministering on that level today. Sometimes the convention service is up here and you're well reveling, but we're going to just go down a little lower to where we're at this morning. And let's prepare our hearts for, for what God's going to do. You know, it was Frank Bartleman, I think, that said, you know, the, the, the measure of any revival is based on the, the depth of repentance that comes before it. So we, we are in an age where we need to hear from God. Exodus chapter 4, I'm going to pick the reading up from verse 19, and this is where 
God has commissioned Moses and he's going to speak to him. And so he says this in verse 19, and the Lord said unto Moses in Midian, go return to Egypt for all the men are dead which sought your life. So he's telling Moses, don't worry about being killed. It's going to be okay. All those guys are dead. And Moses took his wife and his sons and he set them upon an ass and he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. He's under the commission of the first exodus. And the Lord said unto Moses, when thou goest to return to Egypt, see that thou do all those wonders before Pharaoh which I have put in thine hand. But I will harden his heart that I will not let the people go. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. What a commission. He says, Go ahead, don't worry, Moses. This is what you're going to do. And then the scene changes in the next verse. And it came to pass by the way at the inn that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Now, <laughs> let's, let's just leave it there. And then it says, And Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, Surely a bloody husband thou art to me. I'm actually taking a subtitle, subtitle, on the believer's blind spot. The believer's blind spot. That's not going to be the full title, but I'm just, that will relate to this as I come back to it. Let's go to Revelations chapter 3. Revelations chapter 3, and this will be in verse 17. And this is to a people that were blinded and an age that was literally blinded. And we've been called out of that age into a marvelous light that God has called us into. But yet, there's a God of this evil age that's blinded the world. Verse 17, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee. So, miserable... It's one thing to say, you know, you're rich, you got all these things, but you don't know that you're wretched and you're miserable and you're poor and you're blind and you're naked. It's one thing to be in those conditions. It's one thing not to even know it. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. Anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. God bless his word. You may have your seats this morning. I'm going to take the thought, and I'm going to backtrack, come to this thought, and then I'll move on from it as we go. But the general thing is the glory, the greater glory in earthen vessels. And as a subcontext or a subtitle, it's our blind spot. I'm going to go back to where we were at last week, last week, and that was Matthew 16. So if you'll turn with me quickly to go there, I'm going to start with just picking some of this up in verse 1. How many are with me this morning? I need you to be with me. So 
If, if you want to just raise your hand once in a while or say amen or those of you that are streaming, if you can just pull a little bit and you pull here, I, I'd, I'd like to deliver what God's put on my heart. And I'd like to do it and I'd like to do it so that we can make way for the service tonight. So in Matthew chapter 16, I actually gave you the wrong one, Sister Ruth. I'm sorry. It's verse seven, chapter 17. Chapter 17. This is in verse 1, and after six days, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, his brother, and brings them up into a high mountain apart. And he was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto him Moses and Elias talking with him. So here is these great men of God, Moses and Elias. Here's Jesus and Peter. And, and, and he said unto Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. So Peter had not come to the revelation of who was really before him. But he says, if I will, let us make three tabernacles. One for thee, one for Moses, one for Elias. And, and, and he says, and while he yet spake. So could you imagine? He's just speaking. Peter was the kind of guy, I got this under control. I know where I'm going. This is, I, you know, we're going to do this. I, I don't think Peter always gave a lot of thought to what he was saying. He just spoke off the cuff. And he says, and while he yet spake, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. So now, this wasn't Jesus vindicating himself. This wasn't the historical Moses and Elijah. This was heaven saying, something has happened on earth. And you need to hear this. You need to see this. You know, it was Brother Branham when he'd say during the seals, question and answers on the seals, he'd say, something has been happening this week. You ought to have caught it. And I look at it and say, what did I miss? Did I fail to see something? Did I fail to catch it? And I'll say this, there ought to be that continual searching. Lest we miss it. Lest we're also blinded. Lest we come short. So he says, and then when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face. They were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them. He said, arise, be not afraid. And when they lifted their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. Friends, I believe we're coming to that hour again where we're going to see the Lord in His glory. And I, I'm saying, saying that it, it's, it's an ascending glory. Turn with me also, 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Again, just a little bit of a rehearsal of where we took last week. 2 Peter chapter 1. We'll just start from verse 16. And... In here, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made un known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory. And when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. So, there's a glory that was in the heavens, but that glory came upon Jesus. And he says now, and he says, a voice came from the excellent glory saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice, which came from heaven, we heard 
when we were with him in the holy mount. And now Peter would, would begin to express it this way. We also have not just this historical account, but a more sure word of prophecy. In other words, there's a continuation that's going on right now, he says. And he says, whereunto you, you do well that you take heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Okay, I'm, I'm picking up a little bit from the thought, and, and this is where um, God's desire as a father, he loved fatherhood, but he desired to express it in sons and daughters. He desired a family. He, within his inner being, he had these attributes. And these attributes were, were the, the expression of his beings. They became thoughts. And the thoughts became words. And the words became tangible. So if I read this from the unveiling of God, he says, uh, the attribute is your thought. God in the beginning, the eternal, he wasn't even God. He was eternal. He wasn't even God. He was an object of worship. He wasn't even that. Now, you won't find that in any theological school. You'll only find that from a prophet directed to speak from God. He said he was, God is a worship, an object of worship. He was Elohim, the eternal. In him was thoughts. He wanted to become material. What did he do? He spoke a word. The word was materialized. That's the whole picture from Genesis to Revelations. There is nothing wrong. It is Elohim materializing so he could be touched and felt. And in the millennium, there is Elohim sitting on the throne. That's right. With all his subjects around him that he predestinated from before the found foundation of the world. So God's desire was to be seen, to be touched. You know, it's like the little boy that was in the thunderstorm and, 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 and he was scared and the mother would come to him and say, don't worry, God's protecting us. And he desired a God with skin on him. And the world is desiring to see God before them. And as, as the revival that was there in the time of the Welsh revival, and they were there looking for the revival, they were looking, they were compelled to see God. And, and as they came over and did the investigation, and they met that man, that policeman whistling in the beat, and he said, where is the Welsh revival? And he said, the Welsh revival is right here. It's in me. I am the revival. I am part of that God that you're seeking. So the Godhead is not just God up there and God in the sun, but there's a Holy Spirit dwelling in you. Those make the Godhead. I, I, I tell you what, I, I, I just, I was, I, this morning I was just on my way and there's a couple minister friends and we sometimes share, you know, little, little texts and things and one of the brothers shared a text with you this, this morning and, and, he, and he just said it this way and it's out of the church age book. It said, he is spirit and he is life. That is exactly what the word is. That's what Jesus is. It's the word. He is the word. Rather, he is the word. Sorry. So then he makes this statement. He said, so when a spirit born, spirit filled man in faith takes the word into his heart and places it on his lips. Why? He said, 
It's the same as deity speaking. Every mountain has to go. God, Satan cannot stand before that man. What man? That has got God in him. That has got the Spirit of God in him. Now, we, we, we can't lift ourselves up to that place. But God has to bring us up to that place. And by faith in him, we, we do so. So God's creation, his, his thought was always to be ascending. From Genesis to Revelation, he would go from Elohim to where he'd have fellowship, to where he desired to express himself as, as was said in Christ the mystery, the threefold purpose of God, number one, to express himself in Christ. Number two, gain preeminence in a people. And sometimes these are, just the, these are just things we roll off our lips, but God is doing that even now. There's a world that is increasingly looking to the health community and to politicians and to all of these things. And I'll tell you what, I am less connected with that world than I've ever been before. I don't watch the news. I don't even care to hear the news. This is the news. This is where I'm going. This is my home. This is my place. I'll tell you what, there's a change that's happening. I'm not sitting still. I'm going back to where I came from. I'm a part of God. And I think we all, all ought to see that part. And I say, if you find yourself just there, you can't stay stagnant. You can't stay still. You've got to go forward or backward. So God is always ascending. So his, his whole plan of creation in Genesis 1 was an ascending creation. Where it was the solar system, the stars, the earth... And he would go right down to botany life and to sea life and to animal life. And the ascension capped out when he made a man in his own image. And that was his desire, but yet he had to bring that to earth. And he brought it to earth when in Genesis 2, he took a man and he, he formed him out of the dust of the earth. Now, I, I, I need to be able to take this and just begin to move it into this. Just turn with me to Romans chapter 8, if you will. Paul picks up the language so beautifully here in Romans chapter 8. So in verse, Romans chapter 8, this will be in verse 14. Paul would say, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, Abraham didn't know that he was going to be, when God made a covenant with him in, in Genesis 12, he didn't know all that was before him. He didn't know all that would spawn off of him. But he was led of God to go out and not knowing whither he went, but he was led of God. And, and when we first heard the call, we were led of God. Therefore, when God speaks and we respond, we are the sons of God. And daughters are included in that. You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Amen. Oh, how many times you get in prayer and say, my Father and my God and my Creator and my Redeemer. And, and you do it and it says the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ if so that we suffer with him, we may also be glorified together. Now, I'm going to stop there. I'm going to pick up the rest of this in a few minutes. But, you know, the, the, 
the whole thought of God, and, and, and I, I want you just to think of this for a moment. You know, I, I, I'm going to try and skip some scriptures and reading just to, and quotes just to give the principle. But there was an ascending order of God. Even as creation fell, there was an ascending order that was going to magnify God. And I'll say even today in the midst of all of this world is going through, in the midst of all the trials, God is being magnified. He is not being brought down. The world is going down, but God's being raised up. I want to say, I'm looking for a greater glory. I'm looking for God to ascend to a higher level. We can always, we're so often pointing back. Well, that was the glory of God back in Jesus' time. That was the glory of God back in the seventh messenger's time. That was the glory of God that will be. But what about the glory that now is? We have this treasure in earthen vessels. So we ought to be able to see that. And I say there, we ought to be able to see it in our midst even now. We ought to look for it. Yes. Satan's job is to point out the negative. How often do we go out as agents for him? You know, just, just saying, oh, yeah, this is wrong, and that's wrong, and that's wrong. I'll tell you what, a little persecution is good to get your eyes off of all the little in, in, internal little things. Let's look at the big picture. That's my brother. That's my sister. No matter how they are, they may be different than me. They may act different. But they're a son and daughter of God. And you need to see that. It's Satan's job to point out what's wrong. Listen, I, I, don't go on missions for him. Don't go on trips for him. When he sends you one of those, cut it off. You hear some, some story about someone that's negative. That's, that seems to be what we major on so often. And we defer to the negative. But I just say this, let's cut it off. Amen. I mean, we can be honest. I realize that. But I think we also ought to be Christians. Amen. Just because you hear something and you know it's true, so it doesn't mean that it's worth repeating. Amen. I don't know where that came from, but I'll just leave it there. So God has this ascending glory. Always a greater manifestation. Now, there was a first Adam... And you can read this in 1 Corinthians 15. If I refer to it, I'll refer to it. If I don't, I don't. But there was a first Adam and there was a second Adam, or the last Adam. The first Adam was the created Son of God. He was the Son that was going to represent even what the second Adam did, but yet he would not be the fullness of the second Adam, even though he was a Son of God. God would manifest himself in Adam, and in Adam there was a covenant. The covenant was, you do this, you do that, and it'll all be okay with you. So it was on condition. And that first Adam, he had an attribute. I'll just say this. I've been listening to the message masterpiece, and it's just been a blessing to me again. This week I've been going for a walk, and I've been listening to it, and driving and doing things. And, 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 and Brother Adam in there talks about that masterpiece that Michelangelo built and how there was he had something in his mind and there was an image that he had and as he had that image he would work on it and he would work on it and he would work on it and as as he would do it he you know he had in his mind a pattern and he drew it in his mind and he says we he didn't have a real picture of Moses but he had a mental picture that was brought by inspiration and he was inspired, and he must have had the inspiration. And as he began building this masterpiece, and Brother Branham would talk about it this way, he'd say, 
he had in his mind and he took this piece of marble, this raw piece of stone, and he began cutting the pattern and bringing it down and honing it till he got the real picture of what was in his mind. And when he got it so perfect in every corner and, and the place was rubbed and the eyes were right and every hair. So I've actually been in Rome where that statue is. And it's amazing, you know, the, the, the garments of Moses, as they're cascading down, they've got the ripples and the cloth, and, and you can look and see the veins in his, in his arms. I mean, it is a masterpiece. And Brother Man said, I like art. I like it in any form because it's God in art. It's God in these things. And he said, and I thought, and he, Brother Man said, and how he had to work, how he had to keep that vision, how he spent years laboring, how he would do it. And I'll say that same God is working now. He hasn't stopped. We failed him many times. We've stumbled along the way. But he keeps working. He's still working on me. He's working on you. And he says, Michelangelo, he got this, this, this pattern. And finally, the vision became a reality. So now I take this back. As Brother Branham did, he would talk about it and he'd say, here was his first Adam, his first masterpiece. And he says, this Adam, he was under a covenant. And, and yet, it wasn't complete. But yet, that Adam, it seemed like when he was perfected, just like Michelangelo's statue, Michelangelo would look at that and the reality was for him. And he said, speak! And he smote the, the, the sculpture. And Brother Ram says, to me, he says, the flaw, the chip, is what makes it perfect. Why? Because it was a creation of the master. So the flaw, and so now just taking that thought to Adam. Adam, here he was, his creation, and, and he was God's perfect man, and yet he was the male and the female, and, and, and yet it seemed like there was something in him, that first Adam, that was representative of God. And God had to strike him and put him to sleep in order to bring out the woman. And that was God's first masterpiece. And so that was actually a representation of what was an Adam, what was God. And the woman, we know, the woman was deceived. I gotta, I'm going to jump some big steps here. The woman was deceived and, and, and uh, the serpent got to her, anointed by, by the devil and, and had relations, and Adam, he stepped out to redeem her. But he couldn't redeem her. So he wasn't the fullness. But the second Adam, he also stepped out to redeem her. But he could redeem her. That's Jesus Christ. So the first Adam was glorious. The attributes, the expression, but it wasn't what the second Adam was. The second Adam was on an ascending order. Are you with you? Just, just say amen a little bit here and there if you can help. Listen, I know it's kind of a gray day and you get kind of this. And, uh, you know, if, if I feel like we're just getting a little bit sleepy or whatever, I'll just tell Brother Tito, hit the air conditioning full blast. I'll have you all stand up and we'll sing. We're marching in the infantry again, okay? <laughs> so if you don't want to do that, just, just pull on the word, okay? Isn't it good to be a Christian? Okay, I gotta, I gotta relax and let God bring the word the way he wants. 
So everything, if you look at all the shadows and the types in the Old Testament, Abraham was the father of the faith, and God would see a seed come out of Abraham, and he would see many sons and daughters, and he would see that lineage, and and out of Abraham there was a natural lineage, and the natural lineage uh, would type out what a spiritual lineage would be. But Abraham, he even had a God promised him a son, and even though uh, Sarah convinced him to take Hagar and get an Ishmael, but yet God in his mind still had an Isaac. And the Isaac was what God was looking for. And, and, and finally, when Isaac came, and, 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 and that was what God was looking, Abraham actually came to the realization, this is my son, my only son. In other words, the one that was begotten of God. The first Adam was created. The second Adam was begotten. So, and he was actually begotten before the first one ever came. But he, he would say to, to God would finally tell him, take Isaac and go take him up on the mount that I will show you. And it's a three days journey. And, and you offer him for a sacrifice. And Abraham now having learned to trust God went and offered him. And Abraham showing he was the father of the faith and that he would come to something. He would raise his hand even to slay him. But the type had to make way for a greater glory. Therefore, he couldn't slay him because God's only begotten son would be slayed by the father on a mount. And that would be Mount Calvary. That was the greater glory. Even though in type it was there, but yet there was a greater glory. And it was Joseph in the Old Testament that typed even Jesus. And Joseph, how he was hated of his brethren, sold into slavery, went to Egypt, was in a dungeon, was in a prison, and ascended on high. And when he ascended on high, even as he was on his journey, and he was there, at one point, he meets two condemned men, just like Jesus. A thief on one side, a thief on the other side. One received deliverance, one didn't receive deliverance. And yet... Joseph ascends to where he's a type of Christ. And that was glorious. I, I, I've watched the movie of Joseph and I, I, I can't help but tear up when I see him revealing himself to his brethren. And I think of those Jews that one day will be revealed the same way. Friends, that's a glorious picture. But can you see it in reality? Those Jews that were blinded so you and I would come, it's a greater glory. It's an ascending glory. It's even greater than we can see it to be. So there is now the second Adam. He he is even more glorious. He's under an unconditional covenant. And the second Adam was also smitten. I, I, I really, I feel like, my, sometimes you can stop and go and listen to the masterpiece and just get alone and listen to the tape. And I, I, I said it before, I'll say it again. Let's not browse over things. Let them affect us. Let them impact us. Let them bring the reality of God in this day to us. Don't just read the Bible like a newspaper. Don't just skim. But actually absorb. Take it in. So the second Adam... He was bruised, 
By his stripes we were healed. Isaiah had this picture painted of him. And, and, and Jesus came and stepped in. There was no beauty in him that he should be desired. His beauty, his glory was hidden to the world. But it was going to be transferred to his wife, to a people that would be, take the glory of God. He was the speckled bird that bled for the mate. So while the one bird died, the mate would cry and she would go and she would go singing and, 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 and it would be glory and glory and glory. You know, it, it, was, it, was not, it was not our glory that we have. Okay. Now, I, I, I really could have spent all service on that. Let's go back to Romans chapter 8, verse 17. So we, we read up to from 5, 14 to 17. If we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, we should also be glorified together. Now Paul, he, he breaks into his southern drawl here and he says, But I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in the prophet. With the glory that shall be revealed in in other people. No, in us. In us. Oh, friends. we, We need to recognize This is between God and you, between God and me. The messenger is not the glory of God. The messenger typed as an Eleazar. His joy was fulfilled when Isaac took Rebekah. Eleazar would step to the side and would raise his hands and said, Thank you, Father. Said, Thank you, Abraham. I've done what you told me to do. John the Baptist, when he came on the scene, he said, it's not the friend of the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom, his joy is fulfilled when he sees the groom coming to to fulfillment. That ought to be our joy. That ought to be our crowning, not to get people to a church or to just just a a church or to a message, but to get them with Christ, to get them into a walk and a relationship. That's the real purpose of the ministry. It's not to hear me. It's not to come to this church, but it's to get the people to Christ. So he would say, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. So if you're, you don't know what what your past is, it's hidden to us, but there's a theophany being that's a part of you. And in who is this Melchizedek? The prophet would talk about it and he would say, when you left off, from, when you went from the chicken yard and you went to take eagle food, he would actually make this statement, you've heard from your theophany. You know, the, the old life that you lived, now it's a different life. There's something else governing it. There's a glory that, that we don't even recognize sometimes there. But it's, 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 it's there, and, and, and it's, it's leading us. And he says, For the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. So when you're called, it's not that you're called 
just to a partial, but you're called to a fullness. You're called to an inheritance. The inheritance was given us before the foundation of the world. It was that we were a part of Him. We're always a part of the glory. We were there when the sons of God shouted for joy. Oh, won't it be glory, glory? Won't that be a time? That'll be a time. I believe we can have that time now. There ought to be a glory. It's an oncoming glory. It's resident in us. There's a joy. There's a new song. There's something that's happened. My, oh my. I, I, I sometimes wish the inspiration that I would catch things on, I wish I could convey it in such a way that it would energize everybody. Brother was calling me yesterday and he says, I was just telling him about how we had a lightning storm. I said, it was quite energizing. And he goes, ha, ha, ha. And I said, well, I meant it was, it's revitalizing. And he used to live in Alberta and he said, those thunderstorms, he says, there was just something about the awesome power of God and, and how it would come down. And I'd say, oh, if we can come to that reality. Not of, not of just creation, but of who we are. Of sons and daughters of God. Now he says, for the creature was made subject to vanity not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth together in pain, to get, groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. So there's an inheritance, there's a fullness that we're coming up to. And I'll say, there's been times on the journey, you know, we thought we were there. We thought we were there. We weren't there yet. God's working on his masterpiece, his New Testament masterpiece. Not the Old Testament, but the New Testament, the bride, that part of him. Now, I, I need to now just take this and deviate to where... I, I want to go a little bit. I, I'm establishing a principle. The first Adam was on a covenant that was conditional. The second Adam and the Eve with him, I will say, are on an unconditional covenant. Christ has already paid the price, if you can believe. Now, Brother Branham, in the message, he would speak this in... in, in uh, well, let me, let me just, okay, I'll, I'll take it this way. He, he would speak in this, Christ revealed in his own word. And he talks about the time we're living in. And Paul is talking about a groaning of creation and a manifestation because the, the earth is groaning for us to step into our place. Paul would say, we haven't gathered here this morning to speak or Brother Adam would say, to speak haphazardly on anything, but something that will help stabilize the people, we're going to pass through dangerous, treacherous waters. We're already sailing through them. I thought when I read this quote, Brother Harold, you and I were together in Africa 25 years ago, and I read this quote, I, we went to a meeting that took us three and a half hours to get to, and a day and a half to get back from. But we went down into the southern part of or the southern part of Malawi into Mozambique, and we preached a meeting. I shared this quote with the people that were there at the time, and I thought, this is exactly where we're at. It's, it's dangerous, treacherous waters. Well, magnify that, because 
if it's ever been dangerous, treacherous, it's now. And Brother Branham then, he says, I don't know if it's like you, it is with me, but it's sometimes there's so much of it, it's such a scary. But it depends what you're focused on. If you're focused on the storm and the waves, if you're focused on, on the clouds and the news articles, or are you focused on him who's in the boat with you? Now, Brother Branham, just to, to break into this part, he says, I was talking to a young minister and his wife in the room just a few minutes ago. Both of them are nervous, just like the rest of the world, rest of the human beings on earth. Now, I'm going to say this. We need to be honest with ourselves. We are human beings. We, we are as subject to temptation as anybody else. But our... our our strength is not in ourselves. Our strength doesn't come from how long we've been serving God. It doesn't come from all the experience we've learned. or It doesn't come from our makeup or our being. But I'll say we're going to find this out in a greater way. Our strength comes from Almighty God. So Brother Branham says, I was talking... And I say this all because the world is on edge. It seems like they're a ticking time bomb. People are on edge. It seems like if you say a word the wrong way, it could just set them off. Now, oh, we think, that's them out there. I'm going to say this. We also are affected. We also, I say, you know, we all like to think, uh, you know, I got my view on the virus and how we handle it is the perfect view. No, it isn't. Only God can give us the right path to navigate through. And when somebody does something that would, would con be contrary to you, it's like something rises up. Because if we're honest, it's a nervous age. And it's ticking. And sometimes we ourselves get affected. I... I I, I was dis, I'm going to be honest. I was disappointed in myself by my reaction to a couple of things. And I go, oh God, I need to get back in prayer. I need to get back to where my source is. I need to get back. Because it's not me. You know, Brother Mark Kesser was here and he closed in prayer a couple of weeks ago and he gave us the example. It seemed to resonate, but he talked about the tree. The tree that was at his place, it was strong. It was growing up. It was what? It was healthy tree. And a storm came and it started to bend in the storm. Yeah. And he thought, is that the... And he had to go and prop it up and do this. And it was a big, strong tree. And then he noticed that that tree was being fed by water that was coming off the roof, pouring right at the roots. It never had to fight for anything. It never had to overcome anything. Therefore, when a storm came, pew, yeah. And I'll say this, the trials that we have going through... They are revealing a glory that God has instilled and it's going to shine through eternity. I need to go back to this quote for a moment because I, I was, felt so, so many things going on, but I meant to read this at the baby dedication. So I'll share this now. So this is, this is just big baby dedication, this whole service. <laughs> Brother Branham says this in Elisha the prophet. 
Throughout eternities, you'll enjoy the blessings of God if you bring a child into this world and raise it right. That's a star that's shining yonder in glory, and your name will be associated with it. If you refuse to raise these little fellows because you'd rather take to running around and carrying on, that's ridiculous. You shouldn't do that. Mothers of old, they love to raise their children. But this is modern America. I tell you, go back to the first quote. If you, the first sentence, if through the eternities you'll enjoy the blessing of God if you raise a child, bring a child in this world and raise it right. That's as good as witnessing. That's as good as catching somebody. There's a glory associated with that. With every name written in, in glory, there's a glory associated with them. And you have a part in it? Oh, friends, you know what? I, I was just talking with my mom yesterday. I was over there a little bit, and we were talking about, you know, she says, you know, the, all the rain, and she says she hasn't had to water her garden. I said, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm the same. And, and, and then we were just talking about how it, the rain came into the arena, and she said she listened to the news, and they're talking about how the rain came into the arena, and it's going to affect the sports. And she says, oh, I thought I was free from that. And you know what? I, I really don't care about sports. I really don't care about all the events. Thank God that they're shut off. There's one thing that's real. It's where we're going. That's the real thing. How did I distract myself with that? At any rate, the glories that are there. Now, Brother Adam goes on to say in this quote, and he, he just says, so there's so many things that are happening. It's such a scary. I talked to a young minister and his wife a few moments ago. Both of them nervous like the rest of the world. The rest of the human beings on earth. We ought to say, God, I need thee. I need thee. Without you, I'm nothing. And he says, and I said, he says, and I said to them, remember, Satan's got a punch coming at you. He said, I don't care who you are. He's got one punch. What would you rather be with that punch? Would you be blind? Would you be an arthritic sitting in a chair or nervous? He's got a punch coming at you. He's got a right to that open place. That's the spot you need to keep covered all the time. Oh, this nervous age we're living in, he says. Now, he's, he's putting this all in a continuity together. So I, I reflected on this, and I thought, why would God design it that we would have this weak spot, that we would have this spot that we would be susceptible to, this spot where, you know, that, that, that we could be harmed and cause great damage. And I reflected on, you know, a tree, that tree that we were talking about, you know, a tree that's fighting for its life. You know, in, in the scripture, it talks about the tree that wasn't doing well, and the husbandman uh, told the dresser of the vineyard, says, cut it down. He said, no, 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 no. He says, let me, let me dung it about. Let me, let me do things. You know, in, in, the, in the days, they would actually attack the tree. They'd cut away at it, and the tree would begin to fight for its life. And sometimes... You know, everything's going good. You know, it's going good and going good. But when something goes wrong, 
That's when the real you comes out. That's when something of God raises up. I was just talking to Brother Donnie, or we were just texting, and, and he, he shares this with his daughter. And it just, I was, I, almost something rose up in me. Because that same devil that's attacked Brother Ron, that's attacked the other ministers, Brother Tim's wife, that attacks in our church, that attacks, I said, this is not an attack against you or your daughter. This is an attack against all of us. And I said, we're standing with you. And I say, that's the way we ought to be. And so not only does this weak spot, and I I, got to stop in this, this is my whole thought that the Lord was just dealing with me on so I've got to stay here just stay with me Amen. we're designed differently every one of us we've got a different personality I won't have time to go into it this morning but if you take the generations of Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to the 12 tribes there is a lineage of four generations there. Abraham, in the natural flesh, we look at it and we read, in the natural flesh, Abraham, God told him, remain in the land, but he, and I'm told to remain behind the line, so I'm remaining behind the line. But he says, (laughs) sorry, Abraham, stay in the land, but he went down to Egypt. And when he went down to Egypt, What did he do? He lied there. He lied and said, and it wasn't really what we would call a true lie because she was his half-sister. But it was a lie. And yet, it was an unconditional covenant. Now, in in the generations, now Isaac comes on the scene. And Isaac has Rebekah, and the king of Gerir notices Isaac sporting with Rebekah. They weren't playing dodgeball. They weren't playing soccer. They were hugging each other. And, and he had, Isaac had just finished telling the king, she's my sister. Where did that come from? That was the natural lineage. That was a flaw that went from generation to generation. And it was there and it carried through. But God allowed that flaw so he could show his grace and his glory and his unconditional covenant. Now that's not an excuse to sin. But we all need to recognize that God comes to us. Listen, God has no grandchildren. We need to be born again. Doesn't matter how good a family you're in. You need to be born again. They said to Jesus, Mark chapter 3. They said, behold, your mother and, 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 and your brethren. And he said, who is my mother? Who is my brethren? Those that do the will of God, they are my mother. They are my brethren. Amen. The natural part, the natural part of a man, and, and that's where I appreciate Brother Branham because he didn't pull no punches. He didn't pull no punches when it came to Billy Paul. His own son in the flesh. He says, you did the sinning, you do the repenting. This was a man that you could have confidence in. This was a messenger born of God. And listen, Elijah had a a weak spot too. He was susceptible to the blues. 
He was susceptible, and so much so, it affected him and his health right to the end. He couldn't do anything about it. it was, that was the nature of Elijah. Now, I, I need to just go back and share this, because about Brother Ram talks about the messengers of the age. He said, these are mine, these seven spirit-filled messengers are the Lord's. This is in the church age book. They may be repudiated. They may be questioned. Indeed, to the human mind, they may not even seem to qualify as messengers to their age. But listen to how Brother Aaron put this. God used an Abraham, and then in brackets it says, he lied. He used a Moses, he rebelled. He used a Jonah, he disobeyed. He used a Samson, he sinned. He used a David, he murdered. He used a Joshua and a Joseph. Those with severe blemishes that far outnumber those whose histories seem to be perfect. Why would God pick you and me? Listen, we're, if, if, we, if we think ourselves righteous... We start to place ourselves in the position of God. Well, I'm righteous. I gotta, I'm in a good home. I've raised children. Therefore, they're righteous. No, they're not. No, they're not. They've got to be born again. You've got to teach them the principles of God. And that doesn't mean that they're scoundrels. You can't think like that. God gave them to me for a purpose. I just told you this is a continuation of the baby dedication. So I'm just... Should have called this baby dedication. So anyway, this, this, God gave them to me. They're the best that I ever could have. And yet they're all different. So in Genesis 49, God tells Jacob, gather your sons together. Speak of them regarding the last days. And he starts to go down the line. Reuben, you're as unstable as water. Ha, wow. Tell them what will befall them. I'll tell you what, Jacob goes down the list. He says, Simeon and Levi, you're instruments of cruelty. Wow. What a nice blessing to pass on. If you look through natural eyes. We can't look that way. And sometimes we, we, we govern ourselves too much by the natural. Oh, they're, they're, you know what? Their skirt length isn't right. Their hair, they aren't worshiping the way they should. You know what we need to do? We need to recognize that we ourselves are vessels, and unless God inhabits this vessel, we're as subject to failures as anybody else is. And we need to separate. Sometimes somebody will come right up to you, and, and you, you know it's not that man. You know it's not that child. But you recognize there's a spirit speaking through them. So what I do, I... I do as the Bible says, save the man, but you kill the spirit. So I speak to the man. Yeah, that's a child of God. That's a man of God. That's a brother. That's a sister. But that spirit, you have no place. And you watch how Brother Branham would begin to deal with situations and people. And I say we need to start adopting. This is, this is not... I know he had a gift, and I know there's not one like it, but I think we need to learn from how he conducted himself. When he met an unbeliever, and the unbeliever would begin to tell him, yeah, he said, what are you doing on my lawn? He says, you know, 
tells, tells what, I forget who it was, don't tell me you're so low down, you got to carry a preacher with you. And, you know, and, and he tells him, but watch how Brother Branham dealt with him. I think we need to start to do these things. Sometimes a religious spirit is a blinding spirit. And you're walking and you're thinking, oh, I've got this. I'm in the message of the hour. I've got the zeal of God. And you're repelling everybody around you. Nobody wants to talk to you. Nobody wants to fellowship with you because you carry such a wicked spirit. It's a blind side if we're not careful. As parents, you know, we need to discipline. But it's not, tear, not the tear down to destruction. You want to save the soul. And sometimes we can, we can go one way, one of two ways. We can adopt, it's the fight or flight, I call it. The fight, I'm going to tear the hide off of this. And you know what? You do that a few times, and you create a militant camp atmosphere that that child never wants to come back to. And on the other side, oh, my children, they're wonderful. They can do nothing wrong. They're my children. You're blinded. <laughs> oh, no. I, I'll tell you what. Some of us didn't grow up in the age of devices. You need to be aware. You need to recognize if they're not born again. You need to put limits on devices. You need to, you need to do the best you can for them. God's depending on you. Remember I said this is a baby dedication. God's depending on you. Let's not be blinded. All these men with the blemishes were his. They are his. Now, I want to go back. My, oh my, I'm going to need another 15 minutes or so. So I, I'm, I'm going to ask. I just, do I have an answer? What, one, who'll give me 15? Who'll give me, who? There, there we go. Okay. I, I thought I was going to have to auction it off, but I, I'm okay. I got 15 right away. <laughs> Numbers 22, stern with me. I didn't give you the Sister Ruth, but you know what? I, I had to just, deal with this the way God was dealing with me. So, Numbers 22. Now there was two men in Israel about the same time. They were both prophets. They were both anointed of God. And both of these men, in fact, one was called Balaam and one was called Moses. And, and Brother Benham would go as far as to say, the same anointing that was on Moses was also on Balaam. Oh my! False anointed ones at the end time. If I would share, don't ever trust in an anointing. It has to go back to the Word. You know, there's all kinds of things. But unless it goes back to the Word, i got a quote I could share with you, but I'll, I'll leave it for today. Numbers 22. Let's pick this up. Okay, where did I... Okay, so let's read from verse... 21. Now, I, I, I'm not going to get into the whole story. You want to read the whole story, take a message. Does God change his mind about his word? But here goes Balaam. Now, just think about this. He was a prophet. He was gifted of God. He was under an anointing. And he's going out with, thus saith the Lord. And God gives him his perfect mind. But Balaam had a blind side. So now let's read. I, I could read the first part of this, 
But the first thing, remember, there's three things. Popularity, money, and women. And Balaam actually went to all three. Women? Yeah, women. Because he taught the children of Israel how to commit fornication. There was the way of Balaam. There was the teaching of Balaam. And, and, and then there was the doctrine of Balaam. They're all in the scripture. But, but this man under religion, he says in verse 21, And Balaam rose up in the morning. He saddled his ass and he went with the princes of Moab. And God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Hmm, this is very similar to what happened to Moses. Now he was riding upon his ass, and his two servants were with him. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and the sword drawn in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field. And Balaam smote the ass. What are you doing? Listen to me, you dumb animal. I'm just having to paraphrase it here. And he says, but the angel of the Lord stood in the path of the vineyards, a wall being on the, on the side, and a wall on that side. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, now... So he's driven into the field. There's a path through the vineyards. And here's the angel again. With a sword drawn. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she crushed herself against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. Listen, he didn't have steel-toed boots. He had sandals. So he says, and he says he crushed his foot and he smote her again. And the angel of the Lord went further. Now, He's got to realize, I've been around this animal long enough, there's something wrong. It's either got a bad case of indigestion, I didn't feed it right, or there's something here that I'm not aware of. And I'll say this, we need to be in prayer to be sensitive to what God is saying to us. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place. There was no way to turn right or left. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell under Balaam. And Balaam's anger was kindled. And he smote the ass with a staff. Bang, bang, bang. Just whipping this thing. And, and, and now all of a sudden, this, this donkey's had enough. You know, and, 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 and the Lord opened, her mouth, opened the mouth. And she said, what have I done to you that you've smitten me these three times? And Balaam, you know, he's so in anger, he doesn't realize he's carrying on a conversation with a donkey. It's speaking to him, and he's speaking back. He's so angry. He's so blinded by emotion and passion. You know, I'll tell you what. There, there's some very real dangers Sons of God have a weakness. Sons of God have a weakness for women. That was manifest in the days of Noah. The Bible said the days of Noah would come again, and Brother Manum would say, there is ten times more temptation. And I'll tell you what, you just have to take a step across the forbidden ground. I'm not, don't worry. You have to take a step across, and you're in the wrong place. You're laying the seeds for something to happen. If you dwell a little too long with your eyes looking at something wrong, what starts to happen is that which you take into your mind starts to become passion and emotion, and you're driven. And I'll say this, sons of God have a weakness for women, and women have made themselves, it's a woman's age. And I'll say, you need to keep it protected. Doesn't matter if you're a young man or you're an old man or you're a married woman or a married man or whatever you are, you need to keep it protected. And I say this, if you're ever going to be in prayer, be in prayer now. 
because it is the most wicked. You know, this whole thing with, with a woman's age, oh my, I'm, I, I'm, now I'm meddling. But I'm just saying, used to be a time when they at least wear loose trousers, as wrong as that was. Everybody goes out, as Brother Branham said, with their underneath garments on. I don't know if those are nylons or tights or whatever they are, but that's all they got on. And really, if you got the figure for it, that's one thing. If you don't, my goodness. <laughs> and I'm not justifying it because you have, but it just, my goodness. Sorry, I don't know where that came from, but anyway. And he says, and when the ass saw this, Bala, this, this thing, I'm, I'm just interjecting. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass and said, what have I done? And Balaam said, you've mocked me. He, he's carrying on this conversation with the donkey. And he said, there was a sword in my hand. I would have killed you. And, then, and, and, he, and finally, in verse 31, the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam and he saw the angel of the Lord. Now, what caused Balaam to get to this place? Because he heard the original word of God, don't go with these men. But when they offered him money and a position, what did Balaam do? Oh, let me see what else the Lord might say. God gave him his original mind. I say this, friends. Sometimes you go around the churches and even in the message, they're looking to hear the answer they've already made in their own mind. And if they don't get it from one church or one preacher, they'll go to another one. You've got to be sold out to God. You can become blinded by your own ambition. I'll tell you what, Brother Manum in perfect faith says, it means perfect faith means a lot of tearing down, a lot of shaking down for me, for you. And I say it's to the point where you get neutral. We even have become so picky. We become smorgasbord Christians. We take our own personality and we make our own personality as a just... You know, if you lean a slightly to an intellectual side, you'll always want to hear just a teacher. And say, because that, that's what I identify with. But the Spirit of God that was in Jesus manifests in a fivefold ministry. You need an evangelist to bring it right home. You need a pastor to watch over your soul. You need a prophet. You need prophets. You can say you can need teachers. They're all a part of the same God. I appreciate it over the years. We had not just teachers, not just men that were like our pastor, but we had men that would bring in from different places to do different things for us. And we need to come to the place and say, oh, so-and-so is my favorite. No, we need to say, all of them are part of God. All of them serve the body. All of them have something to give. Does it mean they're all perfect? They're not all perfect. Neither am I perfect. And no doubt I've said things that have offended people. No doubt I've said things that have rubbed people the wrong way. Because I'm a human being. I'm in the flesh. I'm like a Moses. I'm like Abraham. But there's a desire in my heart for the word of God to flow. And I think we need to say, let's not be blinded by who we are, who our personality is. Let's separate the spirit from the word. We need to have discernment. We need to have discernment. We don't play favorites. You neither do we kill somebody either. My, oh my. Now, I could take more time, but let's go back to Exodus 4. This is Moses. Now I'm taking the, the right back to where we started. Exodus chapter 4. Now what happened to Balaam 
Now, Balaam, he willfully heard the word. He willfully went down the wrong road. He turned down God somewhere. But Moses was on a commission for God. And as he was on a commission for God, Moses didn't realize how important it was to protect the office or the gift. So Moses, he comes in Exodus chapter 4. He's given the commission of God. He's under a mighty anointing. God tells him what he's going to do. But he forgot to take care of his own household. And you know what, friends? When I read these things, I point the mirror inwards. And I say, what do I have to do? You know, even within a household, it can be very easy. You know, we, we all, the Bible says about the spies. Oh, okay, I, I can't use the spies relating to a household. But in a household, you can have an opinion one way or opinion another way. So Brother Manon would talk about how within a, within a house, and he would say, you know, even with a husband and a wife, he's talking about, you know, how you, you need to be, well, let me, let me read it, how he said it. I'll tell you when the 15 minutes started, when I finish, okay? So he says, you be a husband, a genuine brother, a genuine Christian. I know that sounds, he says, you're my kids. I, I love, as Paul said, you have many instructors, but you have not many fathers. I tell you, we had a father of the faith in this generation. He says, I got it right. He said, you women live the right way to your husbands. You husbands live the right way to your wives. Be real nice and respect one another. Now he gets into relations, but he, this is the part. He says, understand, talk to your wife. If one nature is to you and another nature to her, talk it. Try to do the same thing to him, sister. Understand one another. Be real Christian gentlemen and real Christian ladies. Be brother and sister. Remember, you're God's children. You're from a royal family. There's no better blood than yours. Say, say to him, he's a son of the king. Say to her, she's a daughter of the king. I won't make you do that right now. But say it, he says. Now, I, I just say it in our own makeup. There's things that a woman will look at by the order of God that are one way. And it's, it's right. It's true. And there's things a man will look at a different way. And seemingly not catching, but we need to be sensitive to both. You know, where, where you know, to bring them together. And, and let me just now take it outside of the home, okay? Now I'll go back to this ten spies. There was ten spies. They were looking at the land. And all they saw was the problems. All they saw was the giants. And all they saw was the walled cities. But there was another two spies who were conditioned to look at something. And they saw the promises. And they saw these... This is what God promised. This is the word. Look at the, look at the grapes and look at the honey and look at these things. And, and in the background, oh yeah, there are some enemies. But God promised we'll, we'll be more than overcomers. So if we look in our own sight, and I'm going to have to wrap this up real quick. In our own sight, sometimes we don't see the whole picture. And I'll say this. In the case of Moses, he saw the anointing, but God had at his side a wife. And the wife, even though she it was exactly what Moses needed, 
She told him aside, when God was going to kill him, she said, you haven't taken care of your own household. Now, we like to say, well, that was Zipporah. She was hot-headed. She was, no. God put her there to take care of what Moses could not see. And I say this, now that's in a home, but the same exists in a church. Not one of us has the perfect view. Now, when you drive a car, and if you're learning to drive a car, they have what's called a blind spot. You know, you have, you can see the mirror in front of you. You, you have a rear view mirror, and you can see some things. But then you have these little mirrors on the side. Okay, this is for any of you that have a 16-year-old that's just learning to drive. They have these mirrors on the side, and they put the convex mirror so you can see more. But there's things you can't see because God didn't build you with eyes in front and eyes in the back. And with antennas that take your eyes and look down the side. He built you, and there's what's called a blind spot. So even when you change lanes, you look, you, but that's why they tell you to shoulder check. Maybe this will help someone that's driving. I don't know. But they tell you to shoulder check because there's a blind spot. And sometimes, you know, your, your mind is different places. My wife just did it to me the other day. And I was about to go through, and she said, stop. Oh, she, she said it with a little more enthusiasm than that. But she, and I, and I, I said, what? There's a car coming. There's a car coming. No, I actually, I said, what is it? <laughs> okay, I'll get corrected on the way home to work. <laughs> and then I just said, there's a car coming. Said, I, I, you know, the male bravado kicks in. I, I, I saw that. I didn't see that. And if she wasn't there to watch for my blind spot, hey, we would have been toast. We would have been at not just the auto detailing place, we would have been new car shopping if we would have been there still. So anyway, we need to say, thank you, Lord. Now, that's a natural example. But I'll say this. Sometimes we can't see what God can see. And God works through the body, a many-membered body. Now, I, I took Moses as an example. I won't even have a chance to get to it. But I'm just going to jump back to what I took a few services ago. The children of Israel were in the land, or they were, they were in Babylon, they were coming back out of the land, and as they were coming back into the land, and, and we're going into that a little bit, but I'm just going to take the part of Nehemiah. And, and in the time of Nehemiah, they, the temple was built under Ezra, Zerubbabel built the foundation, they built the temple, but the walls were broken down. And, and any enemy could come and go, and any enemy, and so they began to fix the walls. And the enemies heard it. You can read this in Nehemiah chapter 4. Samballat, I think he was uh, of one of the tribes, he sees them. I said, the minute you start rebuilding, the enemy is there. He's got a punch coming. Yeah. He knows our weak spot. But God designed it that Moses couldn't go to Egypt without a Zipporah at his side. Not only to mold him in the desert, but to make a way getting in there. God has so designed it in this last day that we need one another. That we need the body. That we need the full ministry. That we need brothers and sisters. That we have communication. That we stand together even though there's distance between us. I thank God for some of our deacons. They catch something. They pick up on something. They make a phone call. Are you all right? Is everything okay? God bless them. They're ordained of God to do that. I thank God for some of our young men that are supports to other young men. We need one another. 
Friends, I, I've seen some of my, the generals that I look up to, Brother Ron and Brother Tim and Brother Donnie and different ones, I've seen them where they are leaning more and more on those that God has put around them. Here's Nehemiah. He's building the wall. The enemy hears about it. They immediately attack them building the wall because the wall around the city was big and there was big gaps between, you know, there's a group building over there and a group over there. Well, the enemy would attack that group. And Nehemiah sees something's going on here. So he begins to arm not just the builders with mortar, but he begins to arm those with spears. And, he's, and when, the other thing is they also had a trumpet, or I think it was some kind of an instrument. I'm just paraphrasing to finish the service. And he says, so when something happened, they blew the trumpet. Something's happening. And they all came together. They all jumped together. Friends, when we see something's wrong, we need to bind together. We need to allow to come together in prayer. We can't be allowed separation. We need one another. You might say, I'm self-sufficient. God help you. You're going to find out you need your brother and sister. Maybe the one that you're looking against. Sometimes, you know, I'll go back to when we're so strong, we become weak. Because we think, I got this. I'm under control. I, nobody can do my job like me. And you don't even know you carry a lousy attitude with it. Nobody wants to talk to you. I say this. Look, let's look in the mirror. Let's check ourselves. Say, Brother Ed, you're really coming down on, I'm coming down on me. I need to look in the, I say, I need somebody to be honest with me once in a while. And tell me, you know what, this is a little bit vulnerable spot for you. But don't worry, I got you covered. I got your backside. Moses didn't see his blind side. We, none of us sees our blind side. You know what would be good for us once in a while? Is to see how God sees, not just through the eyes of somebody else. That, that's actually good sometimes too. I, I remember, my, oh my, listen, two minutes, the musicians come. My son's going to, to high school where my daughter had gone before him. And, and my daughter had done really well in high school and excelled, you know, and, and, and had lived a testimony and overcoming life. My son comes to the same school and a guy he meets there and he says, and he starts talking about, because my son wouldn't participate in certain things, he says, you know, there was a girl who went here. She was here a couple of years ago. She always wore a dress. She always held herself a certain way. She always did things a certain way. You know, sometimes it's good to hear somebody else talking about what's right in your own home. You know, it was, and it was Gideon that I think God told him, Go, you don't believe I'm with you? Go down to the camp of the enemy. Listen to what they're saying in the tent. And they're talking about the dream he had and the sword of the Lord and Gideon. Gideon had a part of it. I think we need to hear that once in a while. Sometimes you, you gotta, I got a spot. Maybe it's, maybe my weakness isn't your weakness. But we're so easy to, to, to pull the two by four out of a brother's eye or no, that toothpick out of a brother's eye and forget about the two by four in our own. Because we can't see it. I say, let's be honest. Let's be in prayer. Lord, I actually need help with this situation. I'm sorry that you didn't hear this the way you wanted to. This wasn't what I had in my notes at the beginning of the week. This is where God directed me to. We're coming to special meetings. 
Let's prepare our hearts. Musicians, you come. We're going to close the service. I, I'm sorry if I kept you longer. In a way, and in a way I'm not, because I feel God led me to this. Friends, you may not like to hear it, but there's something that God so designed you that you are not self-sufficient in yourself. In the ascending glory of God, He designed it that there's going to be a many-membered body. And though they're different, they're going to work together. They're going to love one another despite their differences. Brother Branham would say this, and this will be my last quote as I read it. He said, the en- this is taking sides with Jesus. He said, the enemy was trying to find a fault in Jesus. That scheme has never changed. Yeah. He tries to get you to find a fault. He said, there's a man who comes to a neighbor trying to do what's right. The devil will point everyone, try to throw it off that man. But listen to this statement. You know that the real Christian way is to hide everything you can from a brother. He says, don't tell his bad things, tell his good things. Tell him what is good. If anything's bad, let it alone. Poor fellow's got enough against him. Don't take a pole and shove the man further in the ditch. The Christian attitude is pick him up and take him out of the ditch. Don't try to shove him down. He's down already. But too many of us today, too many people, I might say, try to do that. I know nobody here does that. It's hard for me to see right now because of all the halos over your heads. But I do it. I'm sometimes wrong. I'm too quick to say something. I'm negligent on things. But I say, oh God, help me with it. Amen. And when I hear it, Lord, let me not major on what I'm good at or yeah. what I just see. But let me expand my borders a little bit. Yes. Let me step into the shoes of my brother or my sister that's completely different than me. And let me say, Father, we have the same Father. There is much a part of you. So as much as Jacob tore apart his sons in Genesis 49, now flip over to Deuteronomy 33. And Moses gathers the tribes together. And he begins to speak a blessing on them. He's not seeing their backside Now he's telling them about their inheritance in the land. He's telling them about the good things. He's telling them, he's looking at it from a different way. So you can look at one side and you can be blinded to see what's on the good side. Listen, may God make it real to you. I believe we need to recognize, friends, that we we need God more than ever. We need one another more than ever. Let's stand together. Thank you for being patient with me. He's still working on me. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth. He's still working on me. There really ought to be a sign upon the heart. Don't judge me yet, there's an unfinished part. But I'll be perfect just.
purest plan Fashioned by the Master's loving hand He's still working on me To make me what I ought to be It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars The sun and the earth, Jupiter and Mars How loving and patient he must be that I see makes me wonder why he gave up on me he loves me helps me when I pray remember he's the potter I'm the Just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun.